like that. You what is up, everybody? That. Welcome it's to like this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show, and I will start off by saying I am sorry. I am very, very sorry for not having a show on Monday. It was not planned. It was not planned. I, I was I was all ready to record. I sat down in my chair. I was ready to record. I had the microphone set up. I even started talking for a tiny bit, but about 15, about right now, I got to this point, and I was like, good lord, I'm going to fall asleep. And this isn't like I was recording at some weird ass hour. I was recording at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon, or 5 o'clock or something like that. This wasn't like 11, 12 o'clock at night. No, 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 no. I thought we were recording at a reasonable hour. Turns out my body said, eh, nah. Nah, we don't want to record right now. We want to go to bed. You know what we did? Do you think that we would just go to bed? No, because my body does not work like that. My body said, you know what, Logan? Instead of recording a show, let's work on Mock Draft 2.0. Let's do that instead. So I was like, okay, body, that sounds fine. So my eyes hurt. My eyes still hurt because for the past two days, I guess like, what would it be? Would it be a total of two days now? Sunday at five or it's five, almost six o'clock right now. So two days. I have been working on Mock Draft 2.0 because we're trying to get it out next Monday. So the Combine is going on this week. Okay, for those of you who are unaware, we'll get to the Combine in a little bit. But we got all this stuff done. I'm almost done with it. Like, I've got almost every single reasoning done for every single pick, which is extremely rare given that I'm not releasing it until the 7th. So this is like whole new grounds, like whole new territory for me. For on Sunday, we didn't even start it. And I had the plan in place. I have a calendar. I don't, I don't really have a calendar. I used to have calendars all the time, I should say. I used to get one every year for Christmas. For the past, like, five, six years, I haven't gotten one. This year, when I thought I was getting a sick new record, nice vinyl, I got a Chicago Cubs calendar, which is full of players that are either, A, not on the Cubs anymore, or B, I have no idea why they're even on the calendar. <laughs> because they didn't really play for the Chicago Cubs. Or if they did, it was very minimal in what they did for the Chicago Cubs. And we've got all that stuff done. Most, for the most part. Almost done. We'll get it done by, it's going to be done tomorrow. By the time the show comes out, Mock Draft 2.0 will be done, and it'll just be sitting there waiting for its call-up to get right to the front page. And if you haven't already, make sure you go check out Mock Draft 1.0. It's still up on the website. Even though I don't like Mock Draft 1.0 that much, it is still there. (laughs) So you can check it out whenever your heart desires. And speaking of the Chicago Cubs... I feel like this has to be the first thing that we talk about on today's show. Baseball is in a lockout. Let's give a round of applause to baseball. And most specific, more specifically, Rob Manfred. Let's give all those guys a round of applause. What an absolute asshat. We've talked about Rob Manfred on the show before. Like we, This is not something that has been new. This is something that everybody has known for a while now. Basically... I would like to say it started when the Astros World Series thing happened, but I think it's happened long before that as well. Basically, whenever he took the office as the next commissioner of the MLB, I saw a post on Twitter. He was the 10th commissioner in Major League Baseball. The 10th one. And 10th usually is a good thing. Like a decade. It's got a nice little ring to it. Nope, this one's pretty bad. And I remember when the World Series thing happened, when the Astros won the World Series with the whole cheating scandal with the whole banging on trash cans thing, the wearing the wires and stuff like that. And Rob Manfred came out in his infinite wisdom and came out and said the World Series trophy is just a piece of metal, which in reality, okay, if we're going to be technical, yes, it is a piece of metal, okay? Well, then I'm just a piece of flesh. That's pretty much how we're relating this here. 
Now, I know it's two completely, two completely different scenarios here. But the thing is, the World Series trophy, that piece of metal, is called the Commissioner's Trophy. And the Commissioner just belittled this trophy. A thing that players in the major, in baseball just in general, are working to get towards. In baseball, in general, has been on the downtick over the past few years where they're not evolving. Baseball has just stayed the same for however long it's been a thing, 150 plus years or however long it's been around. And they finally made the Universal DH a thing this year. So everybody's getting excited because we had the whole Universal DH thing when COVID kicked off. And now it's finally a thing. And then today, we had the official announcement for Major League Baseball, the Players Association, Rob Manfred, and the lot. And baseball has been suspended. The first two regular season series canceled as MLB, MLB Players Association rejects Major League Baseball's final proposal. And this is a story from ESPN. This was posted at 326 Central Time. You can go find it on ESPN's MLB page. And here's what it says. We're not going to read the entire thing. I haven't read through this yet. Probably should have done that beforehand. But here's how it starts off. Major League Baseball has canceled opening day with Commissioner Rob Manfred announcing Tuesday, that's today, the sport will lose regular season games over labor dispute for the first time in 27 years after an acrimonious lockout talks collapsed within hours before management's deadline. Manfred said he is canceling the first two series of the season that was set to begin March 31st, dropping the schedule from the 162 games to a likely 156 at most. Manfred said the league and union have made have not made plans for the future negotiations and players won't be paid for the missed games. And then Manfred, my deepest hope is that an agreement quick that we get an agreement quickly. I really disappointed we didn't make an agreement. After the sides made progress during 13 negotiation sessions over 16 and a half hours on Monday, the league sent players the players association a quote best and final offer Tuesday on ninth straight on the ninth straight day of negotiations. Player rejected that offer setting the stage for MLB to follow through on its threat to cancel opening day. Not particularly productive day, Manfred said, smiling. In a statement, the union said it's not surprised by the outcome. Rob Manfred and MLB owners have canceled the start of the season. Players and fans around the world who love baseball are disgusted, but sadly not surprised, and that is 100% true. From the beginning of these negotiations, players' objective has been consistent to promote competition, provide fair compensation for young players, and to uphold the integrity of our market system. Against the backdrop of growing revenues and record record profits, we are seeking nothing more than a fair agreement. What, Man, what Bob Manfred characterized as, quote, defensive lockout is, in fact, the culmination of decades-long attempt by the owners to break the players' fraternity. And as, as in the past, the effort will fail. We are united and committed to negotiating a fair deal that will improve the sport for players, fans, and everyone who loves our game. At 5.10 p.m. Eastern Time... So 410 for us Iowans here. Manfred issued a statement that many fans have been dreading. Nothing, no, nothing to look forward to an opening day. Normally a spring standard of renewal for fans throughout the nation and some in Canada too. The ninth stop work stoppage in baseball history will be the fourth that causes regular season games to be canceled, leaving Fenway Park and Dodger Stadium as quiet as next month's Joker March as Joker's March chant and Camelback Camelback Park have been during the third straight dispute. Dis geez. Three straight disrupted spring training. The concerns of our fans are the very top of our considerations list, which is not true, but you know what? That's what you got to say, I guess, for Manfred. The lockout is 90, it's on his 90th day and will plunge sports staggered 
by coronavirus pandemic and affected by numerous on-the-field issues and a self-inflicted hiatus over the inability of players and owners to divide a $10 billion industry by losing regular season games. Scrutiny will fall even more intensely on Manfred, the commissioner, since January 2015, and Tony Clark, the former all-star first baseman, who became the leader, union leader when Michael... <laughs> I don't know why. I'm sorry I laughed at this. Michael Weiner died on in November 2013. Manfred got to go said Chicago Cubs starting pitcher Marcus Stroman. Past stoppages were based on issues such as salary cap, free agency, free agent compensation, and pensions. This one's pretty much solely over money. The fight was years in the making, which is, yeah, we've all known this was coming. It's not It's not a real surprise to anybody that this is actually happening. With players angered that payrolls decreased by 4% from 2015 through last year, many teams jet- jettisoned a portion of high-priced veteran journeymen in favor of low-priced youth, in some clubs gave up on competing in the short term to better position themselves for future years. The sport will be upended by its second shortened season in three years. The 2020 schedule was cut from 162 games to 60 because of the pandemic. A decision by pl- decision players filed a grievance over and still are litigating. The disruption will create another issue for in 15 days if the season is wiped 15 days of the season are just wiped out. Stars such as Sohei Otani, Pete Alonso, Jake Cronenworth, and Jonathan India would be delayed an extra year of free agency. Players would collectively lose $20.5 million in salary for each day of the season that is canceled, according to the study of the Players Association or the Associated Press. Sorry, I'm struggling to read right now. There's a lot of words on this page, and I didn't want to read all of it, but you know what? We're almost done with it, so I might as well just do it all at this point. And 30 teams with large sums that are harder to pin down. Members of the union's executive subcommittee stand and lose the most with Mark Scher- Max Scherzer forfeiting. Jeez, that's a lot of dollar signs right there. <laughs> $232,975 for each regular season day lost. And Garrett Cole, $193,548. Scherzer and free agent reliever Andrew Miller were presented for talks, were present for talks. Both stopped to audit, sign autographs for the fans. They left Dodger, Roger Dean Stadium the vacant spring training home of the St. Louis Cardinals and Miami Marlins, where negotiations have been held since the start of last week. The first 86 games of the 1973 season were canceled by a strike over pension negotiations. The 1981 season was fractured by 50-day midseason strike over the free agency compensation rules that have canceled the 713 games. The strike that started August 1994 over management's attempt to gain salary cap canceled the the final 669 games and led to a three-week delay of the 1995 season, which schedules were cut from 162 to 144 games. Jeez, we're almost done, I promise. (laughs) You don't need to listen to me read anymore. Players and owners enter deadline day far apart on many key issues and unresolved on others. The most contentious proposals involve luxury tax thresholds and rates, the size of new bonus pool for pre-arbitration players, minimum salaries, salary arbitration eligibility, and the union's desire to change the club revenue sharing formula. While the differences had narrowed in recent days, the the sides remained apart with how far apart depending on their point of view. MLB imposed raising the luxury tax threshold from $210 million to $220 million for each of the next three seasons, $224 million in 2025, and $230 million in 2026. Players asked for $238 this year, $244 in 2023, 250 in 2024, and 256 in 2025, and finally 263 in 2026. MLB proposed $25 million annually for a new bonus pool for pre-arbitration players, and union dropped from $115 million 
to $85 million for this year with $5 million yearly increases. The league also increased its proposal for minimum salaries from $675,000 to $700,000, moving up $10,000 per year. Those figures are based on being are being an increase to 12 postseason teams in addition to five lottery slots in the draft. Oh my God. So yeah, all that being said, <laughs> there is no baseball at this time being, and from what everything I have read, not just there, but what I've read today, it don't really sound that close because nobody in their right mind actually, and this is weird to say, because I am well aware Roger Goodell is not very liked around the world of the NFL. But I would say, and I think it's very unanimous, that Rob Manfred is the most despised commissioner in all of the major sports in America. So we got the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, the MLS, and the MLB. Easily Rob Manfred's number one. And he cemented that spot when he called the World Series trophy a piece of metal and threatened to suspend players for throwing at Astros players who cheated to win a World Series instead of actually suspending the players that cheated to win said World Series. Because that makes all the sense in the world, at least to Rob Manfred. I don't know. I really don't understand where the man's coming from. The players don't respect him. The fans don't respect him. I don't know how I, uh, the owners, I guess, respect him. <laughs> I don't know. It's a giant mess right now, and it doesn't look like it's going to get solved anytime soon, which is very sad. Because one of my favorite times of the year is spring training. I love watching spring training. And then the opening day. Oh my goodness, Cubs and Reds was opening day this year. We have Cubs-Reds down for the freaking Field of Dreams game this year. Please don't tell me we're canceling all the way to that point. I know it's going to be later in the year, but let's just get something going so we can at least have that. <laughs> we, we as Iowans need the Chicago Cubs to be at the Field of Dreams. We are Iowa Cubs, at least the people in Des Moines, because I know there's some losers in Southern Iowa that are Cardinals fans and Royals fans and some up north that are Twins fans. But us die-hard Des Moiners, we need Chicago Cubs baseball in Iowa. For a no that, that is the best thing out of all the things Major League Baseball has done. That is the best thing they have done in ever since Manfred took over. That's how little they've done, is play a regular season game in Iowa. Like, that's a, when we, I talked about this when the Field of Dreams game happened. Like, as Iowans, we see these games come around every once in a while. Like, we had the Wild and the Blues come play in Wells Fargo Arena a few years ago. We had an NBA scrimmage a few years, or a while ago. But every time these teams come to Des Moines or come to Iowa, it's always for some preseason game. This was the most watched baseball game, if I remember correctly, in years. The Field of Dreams is one of the greatest sports movies of all time, and it takes place in Iowa. In Iowa, of all places. That was one of the coolest things I've ever watched. It was between the stupid-ass White Sox and the Yankees. But you know what? I sat down and watched it. I watched Tim Anderson pimp-slap that game-winning home run. <laughs> it was awesome. And I hate the White Sox. The White Sox are my number two hit list behind the St. Louis Cardinals. And I know the Cubs weren't going to be the greatest team of all time this year. I didn't have expectations of a World Series this year. My goal this year for the Chicago Cubs was to finish second in the division, which I don't know how realistic that is, but that was what my like peak was. I'm not saying that's what I was going to go out and predict. Third place is probably more realistic, and maybe even fourth place. I, we're not finishing below the F Pittsburgh Pirates. I, I'm pretty confident in saying that. But I was excited. Carlos Correa was possibly coming to town. Anthony Rizzo was possibly coming back. 
Like, it was time to be excited. And then now we just got nothing. And uh, I don't know when it's going to actually take place. Like, I remember the NBA lockout a few years ago when the NBA took place on Christmas. That's the last lockout I can actually remember. I know there's been, other, like, the NHL lot had a lockout in, like, the early 2000s or the mid-2000s, but I, I don't remember that. I wasn't religiously watching hockey at that point in time in my life. Like, I would know about it. I would know what the Buffalo Sabres were doing at the time, but it wouldn't be, like, on every day. Like, they didn't have games on like this. You saw the Stanley Cup final here in Iowa, and that was pretty much it, unless you had cable television, which we did not have at the time. But it's going to be weird. I'm not looking forward to it. I'm really not looking forward to it. Hopefully, I'm saying hopefully, because it doesn't look like it's going to get resolved, again, anytime soon, but hopefully something gets solved fairly soon, at least in the short, at least close. I I don't want to miss an entire season. I love watching Cubs baseball. Even though they're they were hard to watch at times last year, they peaked super hard. They went on like an insane win streak, and then they went on this, <laughs> I think it was 18 games. It, it might not have been 18. It felt like 18 games. Losing streak. And they were the worst team in baseball and traded everybody. And then I remember sitting there watching the Nationals versus the Cubs game and watching the basically a who's who, Greg Dykeman playing for the Chicago Cubs. And now <laughs> Frank Schwindel, who's awesome, Patty Wisdom, Rafael Ortega, all these awesome players. Now, Wilson Contreras looking as sad as ever because <laughs> all of his friends got traded on the same day. Baez, Rizzo, and Bryant all leave. Jock Peterson went to the Braves, won a World Series, so congratulations to Jock Peterson. Was cheering super hard for the Braves that World Series because of him and Solaire. And, <laughs> yeah, I need Cubs baseball in my life. I need Cubs baseball. I don't know how I'm going to get to the spring. I mean, I got the MLS. Sporting Kansas City played on Sunday and got throttled 3-1. to one. They were getting beat down pretty good 2 nothing, and then Daniel Shallowy scored to make it 3-2-1. to one. And then when it looked like they were finally going to get the goal to draw the game, Atlanta goes on a counterattack and scores a goal. And Dom Dwyer, who was my favorite player for a while for Sporting Kansas City, he came on as an injury substitute for the guy who scored the first goal and proceeded to score a goal against Sporting Kansas City. And it was really weird. I didn't know how to feel. I was happy for him because ever since he left Sporting Kansas City, things haven't really been going great for him, whether it be on the field issues or off the field stuff. It hasn't been going really great. And he was a freaking baller with Sporting Kansas City. He got traded to Orlando for then the biggest trade in MLS history. And now Sporting don't have a striker because Alan Pleto's out for the season. And Kiri Shelton, who I think works really hard, he's a guy that will run all over the field, but he's not really going to score you a a ton of goals. They're going to be reliant heavily on Daniel Shallowy this year to score goals looks like they were last year, and Johnny Russell. No Gianluca Buscio as well. He went over to Venezia halfway through the season last year. So, yeah, I'm going to just be binging the MLS, which I'm perfectly fine with. I haven't, wa- I haven't watched a lot of hockey this year. I've been really bad at watching hockey. I've been really, really, really bad. I've also been really bad at just keeping track of scores. I couldn't tell you what happened to the Blackhawks the past couple days with the Sabres. I couldn't tell you one thing that took place. The last Blackhawks game I watched, actually, was the one where Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze did their little press conference about the, the Kyle Beach situation. I think that was against the Maple Leafs, if I'm remembering right. I could be wrong, but I think it was against the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's the last game I watched. Because all I remember was the press conference. I don't remember what actually happened in the game. The Blackhawks could have won or lost. I have no idea. But with that being said, I'm going to move over to the NFL Combine real quick. But before we do that, I want to go over some housekeeping items. I know we're 20 minutes in, but <laughs> you know what? Let's get over at some point. 
So the Logan Blackman Show, you can follow me on all forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course the Apple Podcast and Spotify account. Twitter is Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is the Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook, the Logan Blackman Show should pop up. Give it a thumbs up on that. Face our YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show again. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, watch a few videos, give them a thumbs up. And on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, since you're, of course, listening to it right now, make sure you are following and or subscribed and leave a rating out of five stars. And I would like to make an announcement. We have reached 15 ratings on Apple Podcasts. So great. Good job, everybody. I'll give you guys a nice round of applause for that. I appreciate that. So we have got 15 ratings on Apple Podcasts, which is what the goal was. So now we're trying to reach 20. Let's get to 20 ratings. If you're listening to the show right now and you haven't left a rating before, even if you don't listen to the show that religiously, let's get the show up to 20 ratings in Apple Podcasts. Let's do that. And I have some other stuff I'd like to announce as well. I've been in the lab recently. Okay, when I say the lab, like, I've been working on some stuff. I've been cooking up some stuff. Okay? We got some big stuff coming. So I've been, I, I went through the Logan Blackman Show website, like, the merch website, the Logan Blackman Show store.com. And I purged a bunch of stuff because I look back at that stuff and it was kind of fun at the time. And now it's kind of like cringy. So I hope the stuff that we made recently works out. I ordered some stuff last night and this morning. So hopefully that stuff comes in the mail fairly soon. And I hope you guys like that. And I made the prices super cheap. So I'm getting like $2 per things you order out of like $25 that the thing costs or something like that. Cause I tried to make it as cheap as possible with me still being able to recoup some value for it. Like, I ordered, uh, what, six or seven things last night. I think I made a grand total of $20. I could, I'm going to look it up right now because I actually don't know. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not at the point right now to where I can go, oh, I'm not going to tell you how much money I'm making because <laughs> I'm not making any money right now, really. <laughs> so right now, oh, crap, where'd it go? Payouts. What? Where are we at? I'm trying to see how much money we have right now. Oh, total profit. We made $37. Eight products sold. So out of eight things I sold to myself, I made a grand total of $37. So that's just the for reference. <laughs> Why? So if you go like, oh, this is expensive. Well, I'm trying to lower it enough to where it's cheap for everybody, but I at least get some sort of money for it. Because it helps grow the show. $37 could go a long way towards the look of show. You have no idea. <laughs> we... We've made some interesting purchases recently for the show. So we're, we're trying to get recoup some of that. $37, again, can go a long way. And if you would, once I drop this stuff officially, go buy some stuff. I'm not saying buy stuff now because I would like to have it before it gets before anybody buys it. Just so I can make sure it actually looks good and feels good. Because if it doesn't, I don't want people wasting their money on it. And I, I said wasting. Because if it's bad, that's wasting money. But yeah, that's all I've got for you for that side of things. Now I'd like to talk to you a little bit about the upcoming NFL Combine, which is a very exciting time. Now, I do find it interesting. I, I, I would like to say that I love watching the NFL Combine. It's some, some very fun things to watch. You can take some things away from the Combine. You can. But for the most part, the NFL Combine is basically players just running around in their underwear, creating non-real scenarios like 40-yard dash. I have bashed the 40-yard dash forever on this show. I have made fun of it, I have bashed it, I have criticized it. Whatever verb or adjective you want to use to describe the NFL Combine or the 40-yard dash, I have used it because that is the most unrealistic thing the entire Combine has because there is very rarely a time you're going to be running 40 yards in a straight line 
and even rarer, you're not going to have any pads on or anything or a ball in your hand. Because people overrate the value of the 40-yard dash time a lot. Like John Ross broke Chris Johnson's 40-yard dash time top 10 pick. Top 10. He got drafted ninth overall by the Cincinnati Bengals because he ran a 4-2-2-40. Or 4-2. Well, I don't remember what the record was, but 4-2-2 or 4-2. That was the, that's what John Ross got. Top 9 pick. One pick before Patrick Mahomes. Top nine. <laughs> He's not even on the Bengals anymore. He played like a grand total. I, I could be completely wrong about this. It feels like he played like 10 games for the Bengals. He did nothing his rookie year because he was hurt the entire time. And then he was last on the Giants. I don't know where he's at right now. But top 10 for that. And he was a decent receiver at Wyoming or at Washington. He was going to be a first-round draft pick, but top nine. And then on the other side of things, when people run super slow, like Orlando Brown. Orlando Brown is one of the better left tackles in the entire NFL. And he ran a 640 or something like that. Like It was not anything that was good. It was not a good 40. So people look at that and go, wow, that was really bad. He ran a 6-point-something 40. I, I'm looking it up right now because I can't remember the exact number was. A 5.85 40. He went from a potential first-round draft pick to a third-round draft pick. He got picked 83rd overall. 83rd. It's like not even the top half, or it might be like right in the middle of the third round. Or a little bit in the lower half of the third round. But either way, he's an offensive tackle. Why are we judging offensive tackles by how fast they can run their 40? Especially someone like Orlando Brown, who is a massive, massive human. Orlando Brown is six foot eight, 345 pounds. No one should have been expecting him to run a what? Sub 540? If any offensive lineman runs a sub 540, I think that's awesome. Like, I get it shows athleticism because you're running super fast, but 40-yard dash is all technique. And there's a difference, and I've said this a thousand, thousand times, and some people understand it, some people don't understand it. There's a difference, and a big difference, between 40-yard dash time and football speed. There's a huge difference. Massive difference. Like Jamar Chase, or Justin Jefferson. If he didn't run a... What was it? A four, like a sub four six forty or something. People are like he's not going to be a first round draft pick. Justin Jefferson's not a first round draft pick because he can't run an X forty. I think it was four six or four five. It was something like that. I think he ran a four four five forty. He ran a four four three. I think he ran. They said he couldn't run a more than a four five. Otherwise, he wouldn't be a first round draft pick. This is one of the best receivers in the entire NFL, and he might have slipped to the second round if he did not run a four four three forty. Which is ridiculous. <laughs> and Henry Ruggs, who ran a 42740 or something like that, he popped his hamstring during the 40 yard dash time or something, or strained it or something, because he was limping afterwards. He was the first receiver taken because he was super fast. Now, granted, he had no drops at Alabama, or he had one drop at Alabama. So I get the, the ball security thing plus the speed was big, but Justin Jefferson was a top three wide receiver in the country. And that and we're talking about yards. And then now he's going to possibly be a second-round draft pick. And Henry Ruggs is a guaranteed first-round draft pick because he's super fast. That's the mis- miscommunication between football speed and 40-yard dash time. And I'm not saying anything about Henry Ruggs off the field. This is just specifically talking about him as an Alabama Crimson Tide football player and an Oakland and Las Vegas Raiders player. Not anything driving-related or anything. This is all on the field. But the 40-yard dash, it's fun. It's the one drill in the combine that everybody goes like, oh, we got to sit down and watch the 40-yard dash time. 
Because that just stems from us being kids and going, I'm faster than you. Because every time you're in elementary school, I, I, most pe- I shouldn't say all people do this or did this. But when you're a kid in elementary school, one thing that made you cool or one thing that made you think you were cool or one thing that made you think you could get all the girls you wanted was being super fast. If you were the fastest kid in your grade, everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. If you were the fastest kid, it was like, that dude, he's big time. Why? What did he do? He beat all these other kids in a race across the playground. Oh, that dude's big time. That's pretty much what all it stems from. Like, just us wanting to be faster than everybody when it actually doesn't correlate to anything you're actually doing. Like, when you're in elementary school and you're running super fast, what are you actually doing that re- requires you to run that fast other than you said you're faster than everybody else? It doesn't actually mean anything when you're just sprinting across the playground. Because you could do it like, oh, you played soccer. Well, you got to have ball control as well. You can't just be really fast. You don't have ball control. Being really fast is absolutely nothing for you. If you're really fast but can't be really fast with pads on or people chasing you or the ball in your hand, it doesn't really matter how fast you are. But it's fun, and I'm going to sit down and watch it because the 40-yard dash time is fun. And on Thursday, so the combine technically started Monday. We had registration, pre-exam, orientation interviews. We had all these interview things coming up on today and tomorrow. We got media stuff coming out tomorrow or Wednesday for the quarterbacks, tight ends, and wide receivers. And then the testing will take place Thursday. Then for running backs and off to linemen, we got testing Friday. D linemen and linebackers, we got testing on Saturday. And D backs, uh, place kickers, and special teamers will take place on Sunday. So it alternates each day pretty much. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then we're done. The, the combine technically ends on Monday, even though, like, they're still doing stuff, I guess. They got departure stuff for the, yeah, it's whatever. But it's fun. I don't really take a whole hell of a lot from the Combine unless you go, wow, that was really fun to watch. And there's going to be players that are going to be awesome to watch at the Combine. Like I, the Washington Corners, Trent McDuffie and um, Kyler Gordon are going to be awesome, awesome players to watch. I think D'Angelo Malone from Western Kentucky, if we're talking about players that are lower-graded draftees, players that are they maybe not going to be drafted in the first round but blew up the Senior Bowl, D'Angelo Malone did, Loved watching D'Angelo. He was probably my favorite player from the Senior Bowl. He blew up two Iowans. He blew up Charlie Kohler and Trevor Penning. <laughs> That's what made it stand out to me a lot. Uh, Malik Willis, I don't know if he's running the 40 or not. The one thing I did hear was that Matt Corral will not be working out, which is very in- It's a very interesting strategy. Now, I understand it from some aspect because Matt Corral is recovering from an injury. So he's going to spend this time to try and recover. But Matt Corral was not a part of the Senior Bowl, mostly because he's not a senior. And now he's not participating in the Combine. He's going to have to ace these interviews. Because I'll tell you what, Sam Howell, I think, is building up ahead of steam right now. I'm not saying that I would take Sam Howell. I still have Sam Howell as number five quarterback on my draft board. Not that that really means anything to anybody. But <laughs> I, Sam Howell, I think, had a really good senior bowl. Desmond Ritter even had a really good senior bowl. Malik Willis, I think, already passed Matt Corral after the senior bowl. But yeah, it's it's kind of that situation. We kind of talked about this with uh, Zach Steffen. I think I can compare this kind of the Zach Steffen-Matt Turner situation where Zach Steffen got hurt against Mexico in the CONCACAF Nations League final against Mexico. Ethan Horvath saves the penalty. And then once the CONCACAF uh, Gold Cup comes around, Zach Steffen's playing in Europe. He's got European, uh, uh, what do you call it, preseason tours to fill out with Manchester City. So Matt Turner's unquestioned starter for the Gold Cup. And then now we're talking about who's better between Stefan and Turner. Well, Stefan didn't do anything to lose his job. 
But Turner's just played so good, and Horvath had the penalty save, which I'm glad stopped getting talked about like a week after that because that got it kind of ridiculous. But that's kind of the situation Matt Corral's in. He got hurt in the bowl game against Baylor, didn't participate in the Senior Bowl again because he wasn't a senior. But I guess that doesn't matter. Josh Allen wasn't a senior, and he played in the Senior Bowl. I don't think Herb – no, Herbert was a senior because he came back to get – to get good grades and stuff like that because he's really smart. But and then Corral's not going to participate in the combine either. I don't know how serious his injury is, but I'm not going to question Matt Corral and go like, oh, he's just missing out because he's he just doesn't want to – he might not want to do it, but I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, his injury's uh, – he's faking it or whatever because I didn't think the injury looked that bad, but I never heard anything about his injury. But I'm not going to sit here and question Matt Corral's toughness. That's not what I'm going to do here. But I do think – I'm not going to drop Matt Corral that far because I, I don't think he's lost done anything to lose a spot, really. But I do think Malik Wills' ceiling is higher than Matt Corral's. If, if Malik Wills is developed right, I would like to preface that. If Malik Wills is developed right, Malik Wills will be the best quarterback of this draft class. I said about Trey Lance last year, I'm saying about Malik Wills right now. If Malik Wills goes to the right situation, a quarterback that he can learn from, a coach that's willing to wait... Malik Willis, because Josh Allen had a coach that was willing to wait. They built around Josh Allen. They did not have the quarterbacks in place for Josh Allen to learn, so he had to play a lot earlier than expected, and they were patient with Josh Allen. If they had a coach like that, like if you look at some of the coach Malik Willis has been linked with, the one heavily he's been linked with is the Steelers with Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin is a coach that I would not want to disappoint. Mike Tomlin is the guy that, I don't know if he, uh, well, he's a no-nonsense type coach. I don't know if he's much of the screamer type. Maybe this is just me not really being aware, but he just is one of those coaches that he wouldn't yell at you, but he'd look at you, and he'd go like, oh. And that feeling is worse <laughs> than getting yelled at. But here are some of the players that are taking place, are taking at the Combine. So we got a lot of different players here. We'll go over each day. So again, the first day of the Combine, we got wide receivers, quarterbacks, and tight ends. So here are some of the big names that we've got for the Combine this year. we got Matt Corral, obviously, but he, again, he's not participating. Kenny Pickett. The hand measurement thing will be massive. Then we got Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis, Carson Strong, Jack Cohn, who I'm very interested to see, actually. Sam Howell, Derek King, Bailey Zappi, EJ Perry from Brown, Brock Purdy, Cole Kelly from Southeastern Louisiana, Dustin Crum, and Skylar Thompson from Kansas State. You already know about Pickett, Willis, Ritter, and Howell and all those guys. I think, well, I should say this. Howell in the throwing drills will be very fun to watch. I think Hal will light up some of the throwing drills. I think he's got a very, very strong arm. His 40-yard dash time, I bet, will be somewhere around 4-7. I would bet. Maybe 4-7-5 or something like that. Maybe even 4-6-5. Who the hell knows? I don't know if Bleak Willis will run the 40. I don't know what the situation with Bleak Willis is, but I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't run the 40. Brock Purdy, I don't really know what to expect from him because he's a good college quarterback, but I don't think he's going to be one that has a – I don't want to say anything too damning because I don't want him to, to go out and ball out. And I just said, oh, yeah, he can't play. Uh, then we move on to some wide receivers. we got Traylon Burks, who's my favorite wide receiver in this draft class. I think he'll blow up the combine. And we're talking about people that are going to work out really well. Traylon Burks will be that guy. Traylon Burks is that guy. If you want a workout machine, that's Traylon Burks. Like I remember a few years ago, and some of you will remember this as well, at least I hope you will because it wasn't that long ago, DK Metcalf torched the combine. Like, he scorched earth, that combine. Like, he ran like a 4-3-something 40 at 6'5 or 6'4, 230 pounds. It was ridiculous. I'm not saying Traylon Burks will run that speed, 
but he's going to explode this combine. I think he'll leave. I already have him as the number one receiver in this draft class. I think he'll leave the combine, barring any setbacks or anything, he'll leave the combine being that number one receiver in the draft for most people. And we got uh, Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. Very fun receiver to watch as well. Uh, Jamison Williams won't do anything towards ACL. Chris Olave, he'll be one to watch in the 40-yard dash time. Drake London, I'm interested to see how he does. I don't know if he's going to be doing anything. He fractured his ankle back in October. I don't know what his health is. Uh, Jalen Tolbert can fly, so I'm interested to see how he does in like the 40 stuff like that. John Mechie towards ACL, so he won't be anything either. Uh, what other ones do we got on here? They're going to be Sky Sky Moore will be really fun to watch. The wide receiver from Western Kentucky. We're talking about receivers and the, the quarterback drills. See how his routes are because he's one of the more better route runners in this draft class. He's going to be very fun to watch in that. Uh, Calvin Austin will fly. Calvin Austin will probably run the fastest 40 time. Romeo Dubs from Nevada can also fly. But I would bet, I'm willing to bet, if you're looking for somebody who you think will run the fastest 40, Calvin Austin from Memphis will probably be the best. One I'm really excited to see, though, Isaiah Weston from Northern Iowa. Good Lord, love Isaiah Weston. I I want Isaiah Weston to be the best player at this combine because I think Isaiah Weston's a freaking baller. We have talked about Isaiah Weston a lot. Obviously, UNI grad, went to a lot of UNI games, saw a lot of Isaiah Weston. The only issue with Isaiah Weston, he can't stay healthy. That's the only issue with him. But when he's healthy, this dude is a stud. He ain't going to get drafted, which is a shame, but he will be awesome to watch. I, I hope he goes somewhere and could show what he does. Like, in the offseason, I hope he balls out wherever he goes because he's a very, very fun receiver to watch. There was one more receiver. Is he not? Christian Watson from North Coast State. That's another fun receiver. He was one that had a very good senior bowl day as well. He caught an underthrown pass from Kenny Pickett and had the wherewithal. And this is a very underrated thing, I think, that I don't think a lot of people took this away. Maybe they did, I just didn't see it. But Christian Watson at the senior bowl. So you're coming from college. And college, for those of you who are unaware, once you're down, you're down. But Christian Watson was down and then proceeded to know that he didn't get touched and got 10 to 15 more yards, which is really impressive. I was That was awesome. I really liked that. Uh, George Pickens, he hasn't really played a lot of football recently, but he had a really nice catch uh, in the national championship game and against Alabama. He's been battling a lot of injuries. Same with uh, uh, Justin Ross from Clemson, battling a few injuries here and there. Wondell Robinson will be fun to watch, but yeah, there's some really fun wide receivers in this class. It's not like, I don't know, it's weird because I wouldn't put it on the same level as like last year's where you had Jalen Waddell, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, those guys, but these are some good wide receivers. There's going to probably be five to six receivers taken in the first round. I could The five that I think they will be will be Burks, Wilson, Williams, Olave, London, and uh, Dotson from Penn State. I think, like, Sky Moore, if he has a good combine, could definitely sneak in. I think David Bell could sneak in there as well. It'll, it'll be fun. It'll be very fun to watch. Then we got tight ends. We got Kate Otten from Washington. Trey McBride, who destroyed every number apart from touchdowns. He had, like, 1,200 yards receiving last year and one touchdown, which makes no sense to me. Jeremy Rucker, he never put up massive numbers while at Ohio State because when you're a tight end – and you're a part of a team that has the likes of Chris Olave, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Garrett Wilson, and Travion Henderson, you're not going to get the ball that much. You're going to be blocking, but his athletic ceiling is very, very high. And I think he could develop into a very nice tight end. He could be kind of, I'm not saying he'll develop into him, but he kind of comes in that similar situation of like George Kittle where he didn't put up a lot of numbers. But I think he'll be very nice to the next level. Isaiah Likely could, def- could okay, Isaiah Likely could likely lead this combine the number one tight end in the draft. 
I think athletically he's the most athletically gifted tight end in this entire draft class. And if he balls out at the combine like I think he will, he will leave the number one tight end in the draft class. Uh, Jalen Weidermeyer, complete tight end, very good blocker, can play out play outside, bigger guy for a guy that can rotate as much as he does. So I'm excited to see how he does. We got Chase Allen and Charlie Kohler, the two Iowa State guys. Uh, Charlie Kohler is obviously going to be higher on a lot of people's boards than Chase Allen is. No disrespect to Chase Allen, but that's just how it is. Charlie Kohler, big dude. Uh, blocking, somewhat of a question mark for him right now, but no one's questioning his athletic ability out wide as well. Cole Turner, one of my favorite tight ends of this class from Nevada. Him, Romeo Dubs, and Carson Strong balled out at Nevada. Cole Turner not a like doesn't need to block that much. Nevada is not a very strong running team. They weren't. You know I mean, you have Carson Strong at quarterback. You're going to throw the ball all over the field. You're not really going to be running the ball that much. You're going to be throwing to Cole Turner. You're going to be throwing to Romeo Dubs. You're going to be doing all that kind of stuff. So you're not going to be really paying attention to the run game. I think they had one game. I think it was against Boise State. I could be wrong. They had 100 yards rushing and they won. Because I we were going over, at that point, we were doing those bets for Tom. And I think that was one of the games where it was like, okay, if Boise State allows a 100-yard rusher, they lose or something like that. And if you allow a 100-yard rusher to Nevada, that's not great. I mean, that's no diss on Nevada because I have lo- loved watching Nevada this year. I love Carson Strong, love the Romeo Dubs, love Cole Turner. But they aren't a running team. They're not a running team. Uh, Greg Dolchich from UCLA is another one that you should be watching as well. Jake Ferguson, a stereotypical Wisconsin football player. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Just what you picture when you think of Wisconsin football, think of Jake Ferguson. Then we got on Thursday, we got a, or on a, sorry, on Friday, I've got this weird graphic up and it's not really, it's not the greatest. Uh, Friday, we've got on-field workouts for linemen and running backs, which should be very interesting. This is a running back class that's very underrated. This one and the tight ends are really deep, surprisingly, even though most people wouldn't think about that because the running backs are like, oh, there's no first-round running backs. Yeah, just because there's no figurehead like Najee or uh, Travis Etienne or something like that or Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Clyde Rosalaire. There's no that guy, but this is a deep running back class. Kenneth Walker balled out for Michigan State this year. If you had the call the most important player to said team in college football, he was probably the most important player to their team. All of Michigan State's success went around Kenneth Walker. <laughs> the one game he struggled against, or one of the games he struggled against, Ohio State, they got obliterated. Uh, Brees Hall, most complete back in this class. We're talking about broken tackles, running the ball, size, and he caught the ball a lot better, a lot more this year. I think he broke his record for most catches in the season, not saying it was a school record or anything, his own personal record, like halfway through the year. Like he had 30-something catches this year or something. So Brees Hall is my number one guy. And Isaiah Spiller and Kenneth Walker are battling for number two. But someone I think will test well if he's te- – I guess I don't really know who's all testing. This is just the list that's provided me by NFL.com. They they could have said we're not testing. But Kyron Williams is awesome. If Kyron Williams was two inches taller, Kyron Williams would be the number one running back in this draft class. Because I think if we're talking about pass blocking, he's the best pass blocker out of the top four running backs, which is Hall, uh, Hall, Spiller, Walker, and Kyron Williams. And the best receiver. But he's 5'9". So most people aren't going to look at him and go, okay, we're going to use a high draft pick on him. I hope they do. Because I really like Kyron Williams. I think he's awesome. James Cook, brother of Dalvin, has shot up draft boards recently. I have him at number five on my running backs rankings, which will come out in a little bit. He's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Pierre Strong from South Dakota State. His whole thing is going to be the volume thing. Like, oh my God, Pierre Strong ran for 1,800 yards three straight years or something like that. He had a ton of carries. How can we draft him? 
He's a he's awesome. <laughs> Pierre Strong is a very good running back. Uh, Tyler Allgaier, very consistent running back at BYU. Very consistent. Thousand yards, I think, every single year could be wrong. I'm not looking at. I'm trying to go off my memory here. Uh, Snoop Connor and Jerron Ely from Ole Miss. I don't know if Ely. Okay, Jerry on Ely's here too. They were a very nice one-two combo. I think Jerry on Ely kind of. I don't like to use this term, but I think he kind of disappointed in regards to what people were expecting of him this year. Because Snoop Connor came in and played very, very well. And Ole Miss will be very interesting to watch this year with no Matt Corral coming back. And obviously Snoop Connor and Jerry on Ely leaving. Sam Williams, the edge rusher, leaving as well. Now they got Jackson Dart from USC coming in, which I am very excited for. I think Jackson Dart could have a great season at Ole Miss this year. Uh, Abram Smith from Baylor, former linebacker, runs plays running back like a linebacker. A lot of fun to watch. Brian Robinson, Zamir, Zamir White. Two very consistent running backs. You know what you're getting from them. Uh, Damian Pierce. A lot of people really like Damian Pierce. He was at the Senior Bowl. None of the running backs really, speaking of the Senior Bowl, did anything that was like, oh my God, this is awesome from the Senior Bowl weekend, apart from Abram Smith because he scored a touchdown. I don't remember who all scored touchdowns for the running back side of things, but I remember Abram Smith because he caught a touchdown pass from uh, Kenny Pickett. Uh, Rashad White. From Arizona State's another really fun running back. He's a complete running back. We're talking about catching the ball to the backfield. He's another one like Kyron Williams, like James Cook to a certain extent, to where he can catch the ball to the backfield very, very consistently. Hassan Haskins will be there as well. Devontae Price from Florida Atlanta, Florida International. If you're looking for numbers, Devontae Price is not that. <laughs> Devontae Price does not have the numbers. I think his career high in rushing yards like 700 yards or something like that. But he's big. He runs physical, and he's very elusive. He looks like Najee Harris out there. He looks like. I'm not saying he is. He looks like Najee Harris out there for a terrible Florida international team. Uh, Sincere McCormick from uh, University of Texas San Antonio, UTSA. Baller. Smaller back, though. That's his only issue. He's a smaller running back, but he puts up numbers on numbers on numbers. And then Tyler Goodson from Iowa, which is shame because NFL.com rates Tyler Goodson is the worst running back at the combine. <laughs> which I like Tyler Goodson a lot. I think Iowa should have used Tyler Goodson a whole hell of a lot more than what they did, but I like him. Uh, Bam Knight, Zonovan Knight, uh, running back from NC State. They haven't been this Bam Knight. I never knew he was called Bam, but I guess I didn't know that. But Zonovan Knight from NC State. Then we got Jerome Ford from Cincinnati, former Alabama guy, Jerome Ford. Is there anybody else I'm missing? Kennedy Brooks didn't play last year due to COVID, sat out, and had a pretty good year this year. Tyler Batty. From uh, Missouri's and also very fun running back to watch as well. But I think the main guys you want to stick out. I mean Iowa, I mean Brees Hall, Tyler Cook, Tyler Goodson. You're going to want to watch them. I think again, uh, Kyron Williams will have a very good day testing. I think James Cook will be very fun to watch, and Devontae Price. I think will be one that will be very fun to watch in regards to testing wise. Then we got the offensive linemen. Oh man, there's some athletic linemen in this class. <laughs> there's some very uh, Evan Neal will probably test the best. Out of all of them at six foot seven, like 335, 350 pounds. This dude <laughs> probably I would assume tests very well. And we're talking about athletic freaks, he's probably number one or two in this draft class for how big he is and how well he moves. Uh Tyler Linderbaum, awesome. I'm very interested to see how he tests. He's not the biggest dude, so I think his 40 time, I think he gets sub 540. I think he gets sub five. I bet he get a 4940 or something like that. Uh Ike McConwoo, baller. Everybody knows about Ike McConwoo at this point. We've talked about him forever now. This dude's mean SOB. Him and Trevor Penning, two mean SOBs right there. They got Trevor Penning a little lower, but I think this is just because of the whole FCS thing. But I don't know. Uh, Bernard Raymond, I think he'll test very well. He's a former tight end. He moved from tight end his junior year of college 
and dude's already talked about as being a first-round draft pick at tackle from Central Michigan, from Austria, and he's going to be he's going to test well. I think Charles Cross will also test very well. Very athletic off to tackle. He allowed one sack last year at Mississippi State. Him and Bernard Raymond, and I'm looking at the top guys, will probably test the best out of the tackles. Him and then Evan Neal up there, of course. Uh, Daniel Falele from Minnesota, six foot eight, like 380 pounds. This is like this year's version of Orlando Brown. I don't know what the hell he'll test. I would be amazed if he ran. If this dude runs a five flat or lower, good lord, he might be in the conversation for number one overall pick. <laughs> he probably will, given how they judge the forty yard dash for linemen. But yeah, he. I'll be very interesting to watch. They're gonna like. <laughs> Uh, man. Uh, Darian Kennard, bigger dude. He's about 6'3", 345 pounds, plays guard tackle. He'll be kind of fun to watch there. Um, Anybody else that I'm really looking forward to to watch? for? I don't like watching the combine for linemen, so I'm sorry if I'm not giving you a whole lot of stuff to judge off of. Donovan West from Arizona State could be fun to watch. Um, I don't know. I hate doing that. Linemen is so difficult to watch the combine because you judge everything off their athleticism, off their... 40-yard dash time and stuff like that, when it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Sean Ryan could test pretty well from UCLA. Tyler Smith as well. But the one I really want to watch is Daniel Falele because I don't know what he's going to do. But as big as he is, I'm very intrigued. But Bernard Raymond, Charles Cross, and Evan Neal will probably test the best out of the linemen. And then we move on to Saturday. We've got the D-linemen and linebackers. Uh, DNs first. Uh, Trayvon Walker, Trevon Walker and Devontae Wyatt will blow this thing up. I'm pretty confident in saying that. I think Evan, uh, David Ojabo will blow it up as well. Kayvon Thibodeau, Aiden Hutchinson is going to blow it up as well. There's some athletic linemen in here, edge rushers. Arnold Ebiketti from Penn State. Good Lord, it's like Jason Owe all over again. He goes by, um, that's not what he goes by anymore, but I don't remember, it's his, um, I don't remember what is it. I don't, I'm not going to try and say, I, I can't remember what it is. I'm not looking at it right now, so I, Boye Mafi is going to be another one that blows up the combine. <laughs> ever. There, there are so many athletic linemen here. Like, just look at the top, what, however many. Like, Hutchinson, Thibodeau, Ojabo, Jermaine Johnson. George Karlaftis, I'm interested to see how he does because he's probably the, I don't know, his athletic ceiling isn't as high as someone like Walker, even though they put up similar numbers, but they're about the same size. But athletically, I think people just look at Walker and go, this guy could develop into something where Kalaftis is more of, this is power, this is what he is right now. And I don't really know where to put him. I have no idea where to put Trevo- or, uh, George Kalaftis, but I hope he tests well. Boye Mafi, another one, tests well. Arnold Ebiketti, <laughs> Nick Benito from Oklahoma will test really well. Trevon Walker, Sam Williams from Ole Miss, we brought him up. He exploded against Liberty. Good Lord, he made Liberty's offensive line look like a bunch of scrubs. Malik Willis, who's the most mobile quarterback in college football next to like Malik Cunningham or something like that from Louisville, he got destroyed <laughs> by Sam Williams. Uh, Kingsley Enigbare, he'll probably test really well. D'Angelo Malone, we already brought him up. He'll test really well. Logan Hall from Houston, I don't. they have him in the DN category. I don't know what category, because he, he registers as a D lineman as well, like a D tack, like a three tech. So that'll be interesting to see how he tests, see what group he's in. Uh, Cameron Thomas from San Diego State put up a lot of good numbers at San Diego State. Uh, Myjay Sanders, he'll test really well. Drake Jackson from uh, USC, I'm intrigued to see how he does because he's battled some injuries recently. Um, Anybody near the bottom? I think that's – is there anybody else that I'm really – I'm D'Angelo Malone is the guy I'm really looking forward to, though. 
I think Trevon Walker will blow this thing up. I, I'm pretty confident in saying that. And then D tackles, Jordan Davis, if, good Lord, if he runs a fast 40, it's over. But Devontae Wyatt will run a fast. Devontae Wyatt will have a great combine. I'm very confident in saying that. Uh, Travis Jones from UConn, out of all the things UConn has done, that's the only thing that good they've ever produced, it feels like. Next <laughs> to, like, uh, Donald Brown. I don't know who else is coming from UConn running back or any player-wise, but Travis Jones will be a second-rounder. This dude's awesome to watch. He blew up the Senior Bowl. Uh, DeMarvin Leal from A&M has kind of been up and down recently. I don't think I've seen him in a first round of a mock draft in forever. I don't remember the last time I seen DeMarvin Leal in a first round. He will test very well. I'm pretty confident saying he'll test very well. He is very versatile, but people are worried about the times he shuts it off randomly. So we'll see if that actually pans out. Perrion Winfrey from Oklahoma put together a very nice uh, senior bold. I mean, he won the MVP of the defense, I believe. But yeah, he'll be fun there to watch. Anybody else that I'm really... I mean. John Ridgeway will be interesting from Arkansas. He just looks like a stereotypical. Like you think of someone from Arkansas, you picture John Ridgeway. But yeah, the Devontae Wyatt will blow this thing up. Devontae Wyatt will blow this thing up. I'm very confident saying that. What was the other line in here? Linebackers. Moving over to linebackers. Devin Lloyd. <laughs> Devin Lloyd will probably be a top 10 pick by the time this thing's all said and done. And I already think he's a top 10 pick. But the guaranteed top 10 pick when this thing's all said and done. 6'3", 235 pounds. If he tests well, it's over. Uh, N'Kobe Dean, uh, he's a little undersized, but if he tests well, I can think he could get in the top 15 range. Right now, he's somewhere in like that top 25 range, but if he tests well, top 15. Uh, Quay Walker and Channing Tindall from Georgia, two more Georgia guys. Uh, complete linebackers. I mean, that's just all you can get from Georgia, really. Very complete linebackers. Christian Harris will test well. He's a linebacker from Bama. He, he's going to test well. Uh, Chad Muma. From Wyoming is supposed to test really well. Very athletic linebacker. Mike Rose from Iowa State. I'm intrigued to see how he does there. Anybody else really that we're looking for? Brandon Smith from Penn State I think will test pretty well. Very athletic. You can play outside linebacker, inside linebacker. Penn State's linebacker you. So they're going to have some players that test really well from there. Damone Clark from LSU will test very well as well. And then finally, the last day, defensive backs. Um, Ahmad Gardner, I, he's the best corner in this draft class. We're talking about size and ball abilities I get he played the AAC played for Cincinnati he didn't play against the best defenders but he's awesome to watch but if we're talking about just specifically the combine Trent McDuffie and Kyler Gordon will easily put together the best days of the combine easily I'm very confident in saying that very confident like Washington was not a good team last year their pass defense was elite and it's because of those two and those two will test extremely well Derek Stingley's not participating in the combine which if people already had questions about Derek, I mean, people already have questions about Derek Stingley. So this did not help anything. If G Kyler Gordon tests well, I think Kyler Gordon might actually, no, he won't. No, he won't. I, I won't go that far. I have Stingley at number two, but I, I don't, won't go that far. McDuffie could, but I don't think Gordon will. Andrew Booth, I think will test very well. Kyler, Kyler Elam, I think will have a great 40 time. I think he'll probably be the fastest out of the, 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 the cornerbacks. Cornerback from Florida, very fast. 6'2", about 195 pounds or something like that, 190, somewhere around there. Very fast. Uh, Roger McCreary, interesting to see how he does. Very physical corner. See how his arm length is, because I think a lot of people are concerned about him having, quote-unquote, T-Rex arms. So that'll be something to look out for. Uh, Tariq Wollin from UTSA, monster corner, much like Ahmad Gardner. Big old dude. <laughs> I'm intrigued to see how big he is at the combat. He's somewhere like... 6'3", 205, listed here at 6'3", 205. I don't know if that's the official 
like combine measurements or anything. Because I don't think the corners have reported yet. Yeah, corners haven't even reported yet. So I don't think that's official. But he'll be someone to look out for. Darion Kendrick, former receiver from Georgia. He'll be fun to watch testing. Uh, Mario Goodrich from Clemson. I think it'd be a very fun watch as well. And his teammate, if we didn't already say, Andrew Booth will test well as well. But yeah, the main guys, McDuffie and Gordon. Those will be the two guys. And Kyrie Elam will test really well as well. And safeties, Kyle Hamilton. I mean, obviously. <laughs> we, we don't need to talk about Kyle Hamilton that much. But uh, Dax Hill, Daxton Hill from Michigan. Baller, nickel corner, safety, whatever you want him at. Jaquan Brisker, I think, will be the best tester if, if we're not including Kyle Hamilton. I really like Jaquan Brisker. I have him right behind Daxton Hill. And Lewis Seen from Georgia. The dude just looks like you don't want to talk to nobody. So I'll be interested to see how his interviews go. He just does not look like he wants to talk to absolutely anybody. Uh, Jalen Petrie from Baylor. He could elevate himself to a second-round draft pick if he balls out of the combine. I really like him. But, yeah, Dane Belton is someone that I've seen building a little bit of steam recently. So if he tests well, that could be a lot of fun to see. And I'm not even going to go over the line, the like kickers and all that. I only know Cade York and Jake Carmada. Are those the only two I know? And the Cade York, I think, will get drafted. If I had to make a guess, I would bet Cade York gets drafted. And according to NFL.com and their next-gen stats thing, uh, Kyle Hamilton is the best player. Oh, I know. I turned it on. The The top five players in the combine are Aiden Hutchinson and then Brees Hall. For 96-rated elite, Brees Hall and Aiden Hutchinson. I did not expect that. Out of all the players I expect to see the second, not even second, joint first, Brees Hall was not number one, number two on that list. Then Thibodeau, Stingley, and Jamison Williams, who Stingley and Jamison Williams aren't even testing. So <laughs> then it goes Hamilton and Burks. But yeah, the combine is an awesome thing to watch. I, I, again, don't take too much away from it. Go like, okay, take it with a grain of salt. You're like, okay, this guy ran a slow 40, but does that mean his draft stock's going to completely tank? Or this person ran an extremely fast 40, so let's raise him all the way to a top 10 pick, even though he was nowhere near that before the Combine started. But, yeah. Uh, one more thing, and this guy didn't really – I don't think he participated at the Combine at all. And he got measured, and that was it. And I think once I said measurement, you know exactly what I'm talking about, Kyler Murray. Uh, he got measured at 5'10 and 1'8 at the Combine. And there's some more drama surrounding Kyler Murray. So I was going to read through his whole statement, but I really don't want to read through it all. I don't want to. It's really long, and it's very small writing. Either way, the the gist of it is, and this came out on Monday, the gist of it basically is Kyler Murray wants a contract extension. And I don't really know what for right now and why the contract thing's popping up now because he's in his second year. So I don't know, like, Lamar Jackson – to my knowledge, has not said anything about a contract, and he's already won an unanimous MVP and more playoff wins than Kyler Murray has. So I don't really know what the situation is with the contract. And I like Kyler Murray, but God, good Lord, he's making it hard. This dude can make it really hard to like him sometimes. He's kind of annoying. Kind of comes off as spoiled. So I'm... I'm I don't know. I, I think Kyler's extremely talented. I think he's the only thing keeping Cliff Kingsbury in a job. So, yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say about the Kyler Murray situation other than it's kind of dumb, but that's about it. <laughs> so with that being said, that's all, geez, that's all I've got for you today. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Logan Blackman Show. If you did it, I'm sorry. Let's get up to 20 ratings on the Apple Podcast again. I would greatly appreciate it. We got to 15. Let's get to 20. And yeah, Mock Draft 2.0 will be out on Monday, so make sure you stay tuned for that. We'll have a show on Friday, so don't worry. We'll have something to talk about then on Friday as well. But yeah, that's all I've got for you today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did not, I've greatly apologized. Make sure you follow me on all forms of social media. 
and I will see you all later. Peace.